Amen. Well, great to see you this morning. It is nice to meet you. If I haven't met you before, my name is Jeff Potts. I am the pastor at Hope Community in Snohomish. And so I I just wanted to thank you for the privilege of getting to worship with you guys this morning. Uh, I don't normally worship here. I pastor a different church. And yet we are all family in Christ coming together to remember and rejoice in who Jesus is and what he's done. We come together every Sunday morning to celebrate that Jesus lived a perfect life. We come to remember that he died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sin, that through faith in him, we would be cleansed from our former sins and our former way of living and be brought into new life. And we also celebrate that on the third day that Jesus is alive. Is Jesus alive today? Amen. He is alive today, working on our behalf, returning soon, and we need that weekly reminder of who Jesus is and what he's done. And so when we gather together as a family of believers, it's an honor and it's a privilege. So whether it's your first time here at Mercy Fellowship in some time, whether it's your first time in a week, uh, it is an honor to get to worship with you guys here. Uh, I I love the Rich family. I'm very thankful for Pastor Rich and... um, And I'm thankful that he's getting some well-needed rest and time to pray and relax with his family during the summer, during his sabbatical season. And um, like I said, I'm the pastor at Hope Community. I preached here one time before. I preached here last summer. At that time, uh, we had not quite started services yet. We had started community groups. We were getting ready to launch services. We did that in June as when we started our community groups together. And by God's grace, we started services in October. And it's just going really well. And so thank you for your prayers. Thanks for your encouragement. Um, uh, We have, by God's grace, seen lives changed. We've seen people make uh, decisions to follow after Jesus, surrender their lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, which is the point of this whole thing that we're doing here. Uh, We've been able to see people get baptized. We've gotten... uh, Many, many people plugged into community groups where they're known, loved, cared for, uh, where they're being encouraged in their faith, where they're confessing sin. And so uh, just be encouraged uh, that there's another church of like mind down the road, uh, down Highway 9 a little bit, uh, that is doing the same work that you guys are in just a little bit of a different context. One quick prayer request that I would love for you guys' help with, if you guys like praying for other churches and like praying for the saints, um, right now, at this moment, Um, we are at like a really, really big point in our church at Hope Community. So for the last two months, we have been having merger conversations with a church that's been really faithful for a long time, but has been declining for the last five years in South Everett. Uh, We've been in conversations with them, and they are having a vote today to decide whether they will merge with us And what that merger would mean is that they would end up dissolving as a church. Their senior pastor, who's 72, been looking to retire for a long time, would step aside from ministry, and I, along with our congregation, would come in and make that new location, make that new place, Hope Community, for the long term. So uh, it's kind of a big deal for me. So if you guys could be praying for that with me, that would be terrific. That would be awesome. It's in the Lord's hands, uh, but they are probably voting right now as we speak. And so we need a two-thirds vote to be able to make that happen. Uh, by God's grace, the leadership at that church uh, at Valley View Bible Church has voted unanimously. The leadership of the church, they're expecting that the vote's gonna go through, but we're gonna put it in the Lord's hands. That either the vote would be yes, because he's opened all the doors up to this point, or that he would spectacularly say no, um, so that we know that it's from him, and we know that he's got something else for us. So thank you for your prayers there. Okay, enough about me. Let's get into the word of God. Turn in your Bibles with me to Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one. 
When you were eight years old, do you remember your parents telling you, saying like, hey, here's, here's some certain numbers and some certain facts that you needed to have memorized and remember? Maybe it was like parents' phone number, uh, the address, um, maybe uh, when your birthday was or when your mom's birthday was, things like that. Right, and you remember they would say, okay, like what's your address? And they, sometimes my parents would do like little tests on me of like, hey, what's your address? What's, what's mom and dad's phone number? Uh, when is mom's birthday so you can buy her chocolate? Things like that. Um, why do we remember that stuff? Why is it important that we remember this stuff? Because it matters to how we live. We may not always need it in, at the front of our minds, but there are plenty times when it's useful, and there are certain times where it's critical that you know it. And what we're going to talk about today, I think, is one of those things that you are going to want to remember. May not always need to be at the front of your mind, but there are times, many times, where it will be useful, and sometimes in the span of your life and in your walk with Jesus where it will be critical to remember this. There are a few verses in the book of Colossians. Colossians is one of my favorite books of the Bible. Um, there are a few verses in this book that I believe every follower of Jesus should know, and so this passage is one of them. And if you are here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus this morning, what a wonderful time to be here because this is a very, very clear picture of our faith and what we believe and what we stand on and where we find our identity and where we find our hope. This small part of the Bible, two verses long, speaks to who God is and what he's done for us, who Jesus is, and how we can have relationship with him. And so my goal for today is that we would know and be able to say this passage, Colossians 1, 13 and 14, from memory by the end of the service. Let's get it, okay? You're, you are going to forget so many things that I say today, no doubt. Like, you're gonna walk away, you're already thinking about lunch, you're already thinking about what you're gonna do, put on the barbecue later today, all of those types of things. But if you walk away with something from God's word that you remember and take with you, I believe that God will use that to do powerful things in and through your life. And so the power is here, so why don't we just keep it here? So here's the verse. I'll read it once, and then we'll read it together, okay? Let's go ahead and put it up on the screen. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay? Now, why don't we read it all together, okay? Let's do it together. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I know it's a little hot in here this morning. I know that... I know that we're, we've got summer break that has just happened for the kids, and so I know that it might be a sleepy Sunday morning for us, but let's try that one more time with a little bit more, I don't know, unction, a little bit more passion, okay? Let's read it all together. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That was so good. You guys probably have it down, but let's, let's go ahead and see how well you guys did and how well you were paying attention. Some of you guys are like, I got my Bible right here, Pastor Jeff, we're just fine, right? Okay, ready, here we go. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. 
That was pretty good, honestly, really, really well. Okay, let's, let's, let's see, let's, let's just keep the test going. Okay, ready, here we go. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Uh, I feel like you guys pretty much own this thing now. Let's go ahead and see the, uh, let's go, let's, I feel like that we've got this. Let's go one more. Okay, how we feeling this morning, church? We feeling good? All right, let's get it with, with passion and conviction like you know it because you do, ready? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That wasn't as confident. Let's put it all up on the screen so that we can all say it together one more time. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Father, we come before you thanking you for this truth that we have from your word. This is true for us um, who have put our faith in the work of your son Jesus, and because of that work, Lord, we have all of these things that we're going to look at and break down here shortly. So thank you that you love us. Thank you that you see every part of us and still sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for us God, I need that reminder fresh this morning in the middle of all the things going on in my day and in my life and with my family, I need to remember who you are and what your son has done for me. And so I pray for my friends and for my family here that know you or might not know you yet, Lord, that today that the gospel, the good news of Jesus would be really clear and that we'd be encouraged. And we ask these things in your name, amen, amen. So there are three dominant themes in the book of Colossians. If you read the book of Colossians, it'd take you about 30 minutes to read through four chapters if you took your time. It's a really, really good book. Highly, highly recommend. Um, but there are three kind of overarching themes in this book. And those three themes are faith in Christ, love for all the saints, and hope for eternal life. And this passage right here, can we just have the verse actually up on the screen the entire time? That would be terrific. Thanks. They don't want to listen to me. They just want to memorize the verse. Sweet. This passage hits on a theme of hope. Paul is bolstering and celebrating with the Colossian church the news of Jesus. And what is hope? Hope is built on the heart of God, the ongoing work of Jesus, and the promise of eternal life. That's where we find our hope. And all three aspects are here in this passage. We have the heart of God. God, because of his great love, in the verse before, verse 12, he qualifies us. And in verse 13, he delivers us from darkness and transfers us into a new kingdom altogether. We have the ongoing work of Jesus because Jesus rules and reigns in the kingdom that God transfers us into. We are transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. And Jesus is our savior, but as we can see in this passage, he is also our king. There is a kingdom, and that kingdom is ruled by Jesus. Matthew 28, 18, Jesus says that he holds all authority in heaven and on earth, and then he gives that call, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
Ephesians 1, 20 through 23. When Jesus rose from the dead, he was given authority from God far above any other kind of authority or dominion, even to being the head of the church. So Jesus Christ is the senior pastor of this church, just as Jesus Christ is the senior pastor of Hope Community or any other gospel-believing, God-fearing church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And Philippians 2.10, because of his work, his perfect life, his perfect death, his resurrection, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, King, ruler, reigning over everything. And so we have the ongoing work of Jesus here in this passage. We also have the promise of eternal life, which, enter, which finishes off the hope theme. We are placed in a kingdom of redemption and forgiveness that secures us a right relationship with God in heaven forever, where we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness. God has placed us into the kingdom of Jesus. And because God delivered and transferred us, we get redemption and forgiveness. And I love that, and we need to remember that. God does the work and we get the blessing. God does the work, and we trust in his work, and we get the benefit of that. There are three verbs in this passage. You probably have already noticed them. Delivered, transferred, and have. God delivers, God transfers, we have. We get the effect of God's work we get the blessing of God's work. Why we come to worship Jesus and why we worship God on a weekly basis is because we're celebrating the fact that God did a work on our behalf. So this is a passage of hope. This truth is timeless. This is a promise and benefit of salvation. You are free. You are made new. You are forgiven. You are blessed. So say this verse again with me. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do you notice two different kingdoms in this passage? We've got the domain of darkness over here and we've got the kingdom of Jesus. The domain of darkness ruled by Satan. We've got the kingdom of redemption ruled by Jesus. And what are the effects of living in these kingdoms? Because it seems like we have different effects and different um, results from being in one kingdom or the other. There's three big ways in this passage and we'll talk about how God transfers us from one kingdom to the other. So the first thing, God moves us from shame to honor. God moves us, transfers us, delivers us from shame to a place of honor. Shame lives in the domain of darkness. What is shame? Shame is a feeling of embarrassment or humiliation from the perception of doing something dishonorable, improper, or immoral, or from actually doing something dishonorable, improper, or immoral. So you might have shame from your past, uh, your lineage. My daddy was a blank. My daddy's daddy was a blank. My great-grandpa was a blank. And so now you just assume that that is you. Because my lineage kind of dictates who I am, and my lineage is not one of honor, my lineage is one of shame, therefore that is me, and that will always be me. 
Maybe it's shame over your suffering. You had something happen to you that was not your fault, but it has now defined you and affects every perspective that you have about life. Maybe it's shame over your actions. Maybe you did something and it was your fault. You did a sinful thing. And now other people have defined you as a blank and you believe them and you agree with them. And you have defined yourself as a blank and it affects every perspective you have about life. Everyone in life has five minutes or five weeks or five years that they wish they could take back, either with something they've done or something that's happened to them. Every single person in the world has five minutes of brokenness at minimum, and because of that, every person has the potential and the capacity to feel shame. And where does that shame come from? Well, it comes from the garden. Adam and Eve, they sin against the Lord, and what do they do? They realize their nakedness, and what do they do at that point? They cover it up. And don't we do the same thing? We take our shame, we take the the feelings that we have, either from being a victim or being a perpetrator, and we cover it up, and we keep people at a distance, because if they knew the real you, they would reject you. Is this you? Do you ever feel shame? Either at something that you've done or something that's been done to you. Well, friends, remember though, this passage teaches us that God moves us from shame to honor. Honor lives in the kingdom of Jesus. God has delivered you. He has qualified you for something different. You are in a new kingdom now, so you can say, yes, that is my family history. Yes, that did happen to me. Yes, I did do that, but God has delivered me. He has qualified me, not because I'm good, but because he's good. He's changed me from the inside out. He's made me new. And so those things in the past are facts about me, but they do not define me anymore. Jesus defines me. I'm with him. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, but behold, the new has come. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. That's the first one. God moves us from shame to honor. Second thing, God moves us from a place of bondage to a place of freedom. Bondage and debt live in the domain of darkness. Uh, right now, if you did a survey or did a Google search on, on, on debt, right now the average American owes about 20K on a car, 40,000 in student loans, and has about 5,000 running on a credit card. That's the average American. So there's some that have way more, some that have less, by God's grace. And and in some ways, many of us are used to that feeling of owing someone something. Of being in debt, of being tied in. And the issue that we put ourselves in when we put ourselves in that type of hole is that sometimes it feels impossible to dig out of. And sometimes there are systems that make it really hard to get out of that type of bondage and debt. And yes, I'm talking about a financial thing here, but even more importantly than that, sin brings enslavement. Sin always takes you farther than you want to go, and it 
hurts you and it hurts the people that you love way more than we realize. Because what we do involves other people, it affects others. You and I um, might think that we live in a vacuum, we might think that we don't affect, impact other people, but that is not how life works. When we sin, we do incredible damage to the people around us because sin brings consequences. And then you stack on sin after sin, day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, and then all of a sudden, you have this weight coming down on you that feels impossible. And it removes our freedom and it puts us in a state of fear and hiding and living in the shadows. So we go back to the garden, Adam and Eve, they sin. They try to make themselves like God. And so they realize their nakedness. They first they cover up and then what do they do after that? They hide in the bushes. They hide from their maker. They hide from their Lord. They hide from the one they had intimate, close relationship with. Is that you? Maybe you're here and in the midst of your sin, you are hiding in fear and you feel trapped and you don't know what to do. Well friends, this passage right here tells us that God moves us from that bondage to freedom. Redemption lives in the kingdom of Jesus in whom we have redemption. Now, redemption is the act of buying something back or purchasing something or someone owned to take it into your own possession. So we were just talking a little earlier about the financial struggles that we can have and how that feels. And, and in many ways, that stuff is difficult. It's hard. If you're in debt, I'm, I'm praying for you. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure that some of the elders here would love to support you and help you in those steps. But really, really, a lot of those things are small in comparison to some of the stories that we have in the Bible. We've got, we've got a story in the Bible of a woman um, who is married and her husband dies. Husband has no inheritance and so she is now destitute, unable to provide for herself, unable to get a work. She has to travel back to her mother-in-law's hometown to go live with her to have a place to stay. So she is now an immigrant in a foreign area, not friendly to immigrants, to try to glean food and try to get enough stuff together so that she and her aging mother-in-law can survive. You guys remember that story? It's the story of Ruth. And so Ruth is in this situation, in a hopeless situation, in a hard situation, in a situation that feels like she is in a hole that she cannot dig out of. And then, by God's providence and by God's grace, there's this man named Boaz. Boaz meets her. Boaz is kind to her. Boaz allows her to glean a little bit of food here and there, and then through a series of conversations, Boaz then decides that he will redeem her, that he will take her by purchasing a field and taking her on, he purchases her to be his wife. Not to be a slave, not to be someone that would serve him, but to be a, a partner. To be one with. To be in close, intimate relationship with. Boaz does that for Ruth, and what has Jesus done for us? Jesus redeems us and purchased us to be with him. To be his property? No, to be his bride. To be the church. And Boaz paid with money. 
He bought a field. Jesus paid with his blood for us, Hebrews 9.15. Therefore, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So what does that mean? Because of Jesus, you are no longer in slavery, in bondage to sin. You are freed in Jesus. You are redeemed to be part of his family. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Third thing, God moves us from shame to honor, from bondage to freedom. The last thing, God moves us from failure to forgiven. Do, do you know that feeling when you've been caught? Or, or, or maybe you don't know if you're caught, but you think that you might be caught. You know that feeling in your stomach? Don't act like you don't. Feels terrible, okay? Maybe this is just confession for me. Feels terrible. That is the domain of darkness. You live in that perpetual feeling of I'm caught or I might be caught and that unrest and that unsettled feeling is constantly in you. It persists and so you have to consistently justify yourself, which usually means putting it on other people. And so we might try to blame our upbringing um, or the hand that we've been dealt, or you know that some people, some people will blame political leaders. They will say, you know what, if the politics weren't like this, then I wouldn't be acting like this. Can you believe that some people will game, blame the gas prices. Can you believe that? Oh, I'm getting like not, not much there, but that's okay, it's fine. We might try to blame other things, other circumstances, that are outside of our lives, that we say that's the reason why that happens, but deep down we know, we know that we sin against a holy God. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And deep down we know that. And in this, in the domain of darkness, in that thing of failure, Satan does this all the time, reminds us of this. He goes, he goes, you can do this, it's gonna be fine, it's gonna be fine, it's no big deal, and then the minute you do it, you are the worst. You're, you're such a mess up. You always, you always fall short. You're never gonna amount to anything. God would never love you, will never love you, could never love you because you're that bad. And so you might as well just give up. Isn't that... Doesn't that sound like the lies that we hear all the time when we fall into sin, when we fall into temptation, and then all of a sudden, got him. That's what Satan says. And then he just pours lie after lie after lie after lie on us. And it's true, when we are in our sin, when we are not following the Lord, we are an enemy of God. We are against him, and yet we also have the promise that for even while we were enemies of God, he sent Jesus to come and be redemption for us, to come and die for us so that we could have new life. But maybe this is you right here. This is you and you're failing and you know it and you don't know what to do. You feel stuck, you feel like you're lost and you feel like there's no one that could, that could forgive you for the things that you've done in your past. 
There's no one that could forgive you for the things that you're working through and you're doing currently. But friends, we see in this passage that God moves us from failure to forgiven. In whom we have redemption. What's the next thing? The forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness lives in the kingdom of Jesus. What is forgiveness? Forgiveness acknowledges sin, accepts repentance of sin, and assists in change from sin. So forgiveness doesn't say, oh, it was no big deal, you were six. It's no, it's no big, you didn't know that forgiveness doesn't say that. Forgiveness says, no, that was sin. It, it doesn't say, well, you're better performed to earn back my favor. If, you're, if you want forgiveness, you're gonna have to do one, two, three, and then X, Y, Z, and then we'll talk about whether I'm going to allow you to be in relationship with me again. No, that's not forgiveness. Forgiveness lovingly and patiently chooses to deal with sin that has been committed and to not count that against them and to help them with change and rehabilitation, and God does that with you and me. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now notice the verbs there, that he, or notice the descriptions of God in that. It says that God is faithful to forgive us our sins. He's faithful because he's good. He's consistent. He's steady. You can know that every time you go to God to confess sin to him, that he is faithful to forgive. But it also says that God is just God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How is he just? Wouldn't that be unjust if we sinned against the holy God and he said, ah, no big deal, it's fine. That is not how God works. God is holy. God is righteous. God is perfect in justice. And so what, who got punished for our sin? Jesus on the cross. God was perfectly just and is perfectly just in forgiving us our sin because he already punished Jesus for it. And so we live by God's grace and by the work of Jesus, we live in a kingdom of forgiveness that was paid for by the blood of Christ for us so that God can say, yes, I will transfer you now into a place where you are forgiven. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Do you know this verse? Do you need this verse? Where do you need this verse in your life? As you stare at this, at this passage of scripture, this timeless truth of scripture that speaks to the character of God, the heart of God, the work of Jesus, the promise of eternal life, what, what's the thing where you really need this verse right now? Is there something in your life where you've defined yourself by shame or by bondage or by failure and God is saying, no, 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 no. No, we actually have honor and freedom and forgiveness here but you just kind of keep on kind of rolling back over here. Do you need to be reminded of how good God is in this verse? 
Do, do you need to be reminded of the power of God in this verse to transfer us from one eternal kingdom to the correct eternal kingdom? Do you need to see the grace of God in this verse? That he would take sinful, broken, helpless people like you and me and take us into something entirely new or we are placed in honor and get to sit at the table of God in his family to be called children of God. Do you need this verse? I, I need this verse. Maybe you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And my friend, if you are here, I love you, I care about you, I'm praying for you, you are currently sitting in that domain of darkness. You are sitting in failure and in bondage and in shame. That is your reality right now. And unfortunately for you, this is the best it will ever get for you. Your, your body will continue to get older your pain will continue, and it will never get better than today. And then you'll enter into eternity separated from God. And I do not want that for you, my friend. But there is forgiveness available for you. There is redemption available for you. There is, there is eternal life available for you through the work of Jesus. And so if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, I would beg you and urge you and plead with you to recognize your state, recognize where you are against the Lord, that you'd put your faith and your trust in him, in Jesus and his work on your behalf, and that you would surrender your life and live for him and enter into something completely new. Maybe you're here and you love Jesus, but you have areas of your life where you are living in bondage and guilt and shame. Oh, I pray that today would be the day that you would say, no more, I'm not doing that because I don't live there anymore. And so I need to get rid of that stuff from where I used to live because I'm defined by this now. And so I'm gonna live like this now. We have all of this in Jesus and only in Jesus. We're gonna enter into a time where we sing some more, where we respond to the goodness of God through worshiping together. We're gonna have a time of communion and communion is a, a, a regular remembrance of the life of Jesus broken for us, his work on our behalf and the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from our sin that makes us new, that covers our sin so that we can have a right relationship with the Lord. And so as we respond to this passage, to this time that we've had together, I pray that you would do it genuinely. I pray that you would do it honestly. For some of you, this is the passage where you just say, God, I just thank you again and again and again because you've already been delivered and you know it and you're rejoicing. For some of you, it's like, God, I need to stop doing something and start doing something else. And for some of you, this is the time for you to be saved, for you to put your faith and trust in Jesus once and for all and enter into the rest that Jesus promises, enter into that redemption that he promises. 
Let me pray for us. Well, Father, we just thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ and to look at your word that's always true and always speaks to us. And Lord, I need this message this morning. I need this truth this morning of who you are and what you've done for me. God, and I pray that as we, as we move now to a, a different part of the service, as we move to, to remember what you've done in communion, to, to worship together, God, I pray that we would also reflect and think about what you're calling us to do, how you're calling us to live, how we can change and where we can find our hope. We love you. Thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.